what is the market trying to tell us at the moment? Well, I think the pricing on bonds is driven by liquidity. You know, it's effectively two things. The, you know, the amount of um, uh, bond interest is driven by the amount of stimulus and the amount of um, uh, liquidity that's been provided. So effectively, the prices are being reflected as much by that. And then on the flip of that is that, as a result, um, the equity markets are effectively given a pass mark to go long because uh, there's unlikely to see collapse at the corporate level despite the fact that the bond market's indicating that the corporates are struggling. So it's a, it's a, it is a quite hard to comprehend, but it's driven predominantly, I believe, by central banks providing effective put to hold risk assets. And that's a good explanation. Thank you very much, Toby. Have a great weekend. That's Toby Lawson, Head of Global Markets at Societe Generale Australia. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. In Australia, the ASX 200 is slightly lower, down 0.1% at the moment. Uh, over in South Korea, the Cosby is up half a percent. Uh, looks like the Hang Seng is going to lose about 50 points or so at the open. Commodities are, are still surging ahead. Brink, uh, sorry, gold, first of all, is at a new all-time high, trading at $2,067 an ounce. Silver also surging up another 2.5% here in Asian trading to a record high as well at $29.68. Brent crude oil also rising. It's at $45.29 a barrel. Not much movement in the currency markets. The US dollar's at 105.5 against the Japanese yen. That's it from me this morning. Do please have a great weekend and do stay tuned to Radio 3 for back chat with Danny Gittings and Nixie Lamb right after the 8.30 news. The weather forecast going to be mainly fine apart from isolated showers. Very hot during the day. Maximum temperature of 33 degrees and it is going to be very hot again tomorrow. Sunny periods and a few showers early next week. 29 degrees right now and 87% relative humidity. It's 8.32. Here's Ben Che with the Half Hour News. The Asian Migrants Coordinating Body says that mass testing of foreign helpers is likely to increase discrimination against them. The group's Iman Villanueva sounded the warning as the government announced it would provide free coronavirus tests for thousands of the domestic helpers who are between contracts and living in dormitories. Targeting migrant domestic workers who are already excluded, segregated from the society, it might create more discrimination and exclusionary attitudes towards migrant domestic workers. The Immigration Department is also to speed up the vetting of applications to change employers to shorten the stay of helpers in often cramped hostels. This comes after a second domestic helper who stayed in such a dormitory was confirmed yesterday as having COVID-19. The Center for Health Protection said on Wednesday it was trying to trace 28 foreign domestic helpers who had stayed in the same boarding houses as the helper. Yesterday, it clarified that 27 of them were still living at the boarding houses and would be tested. However, it's been revealed that the helper had also stayed at a boarding house in North Point with 13 others before she was confirmed as having the infection. Dr. Chuang was asked about the difficulties in tracing her contacts. 
we have some language barrier with her and also because she, she only stayed in the Causeway Bay but she couldn't tell us exactly she wanted to tell us but she couldn't tell us exactly the whereabouts and the exact location that's why we need to ask the agent to find out and also seek help from the police to find out more about the exact location we're still investigating her whereabouts during the period from 26 to 29 there's still some empty information the centre reported 95 coronavirus cases yesterday, all but four of which are locally transmitted. And an 85-year-old coronavirus patient also died, taking the COVID-19 death toll to 44. And that's the news from RTHK. Good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. I'm Danny Gittings. Your co-host this morning is Nixie Lamb. Good morning, morning. Nixie. On today's show, with Beijing apparently about to decide the interim arrangements for LegCo until elections are held next year, we'll be looking at the different options under consideration. Kerry Lamb says the most pragmatic solution would be to simply extend the term of all existing legislators, Democrats and all. But many in the pro-establishment camp want to kick out at least four incumbent legislators or possibly more. So how much weight will the chief executive's views carry when the National People's Congress Standing Committee meets in Beijing tomorrow, where it's widely expected to discuss the issue, even though it's not yet officially on the agenda? Let us know your thoughts. You can email us at backchat.rthk.hk or you can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free, or give us a call. The number there, 233-88266. That's 233-88266. Our guest for the first half of the show this morning, we have with us uh, Professor Holok San, Senior Research F Fellow at the Pansutong Shanghai Hong Kong Economic Policy Research Institute at Lingnan University, and also former Democratic Party lawmaker Emily Lau. Good morning. Uh, before we go to our guest, let me just bring in a couple of um, comments coming in from listeners on, on other topics, in fact. Uh, Chrissy writing about... Uh, uh, the latest focus of the COVID-19 outbreak says uh, the agent for South Asian maids always finds the Hong Kong SAR government discriminates against them. Even the government suggests free COVID-19 tests to all maids living in dormitories, which they regard as discrimination. Taxi drivers here are given free COVID-19 tests earlier. Nobody, no drivers believe that the tests are discriminating against them. The tests are for drivers returning home safe without worrying their family members are getting infected by coronavirus. So I find it strange that the agents and these maids find the government discriminating against them. They should go to other places to work. Uh, on another um, COVID-19 related theme, uh, Craig says, lots of Hong Kongers have or are about to be made redundant by their employer. When this happens, redundancy payments are categorized as statutory and non-statutory. In Hong Kong, only the statutory portion is income tax free. Why not change the tax laws to make any aspect of redundancy tax free? be it notice pay or redundancy payments, and allow back to back claim tax for those who have anyone who's been made redundant in the past two to three years. It's only re returning residents' own money to them, and it should not be stolen in part for the gov by the government. Thank you very much indeed, Craig. As I mentioned, our guest in the first half of the show, um, Emily Lau, former Democratic Party legislator, and Professor Holok San from Lingnan University. Uh, Emily Lau, let's go to you this morning first. Good morning, Mr. Yes. Good so, morning. So what do you make of this impending discussion in uh, Beijing about the composition of the legislature over the next year? Well, I think the whole thing is very infuriating. 
I mean, events developed very quickly, of course, in the past few days. Uh, first, you have the disqualification of 12 uh, candidates for election, including four incumbent legislators. And it's followed by the uh, postponement of the electrical election, uh, election to September next year. So we've got this vacuum between now and September. And now Beijing is going to make some important decisions. First of all, people cannot understand why so many candidates have been disqualified. But none of your, par then, none of your party, nobody from the Democratic Party got disqualified. No, but that's not the point. The point is that we should have free and fair elections. So candidates should be able to come forward and register to stand, and the people who should be able and allowed to disqualify them are the voters. So that's very troubling anyway. And then you have the postponement, which many people uh, do not support. But of course, several months ago, uh, the pro-communist uh, politicians have been calling on a postponement, of course, citing the virus, the pandemic, but people think that, oh, because you lost so badly in the district council election in November last year, so you are very worried that the voters will trance you again in September. That's why you want to delay the polls. So it is all very worrying. And then just then, in your introduction, you mentioned Carrie Lam. And she did say at the press conference that she thinks those disqualified incumbents should be able to serve in the, this interim LegCo for another year. But although that's what she thinks, she said quite clearly, she did not put it in the report to Beijing. So why be so two-faced? Do you mean it or not? If you really mean it, why don't you put it down to the central government? Well, so she... all these events are very, very disturbing. And Hong Kong people have no say. You know, the director of the Hong Kong Macau Affairs Office came here. But he only talked to people in their camp, and all the other people are completely excluded. And now they're going to make decisions based on uh, collecting views from a tiny, tiny percentage of the population. So this whole thing is very, very disturbing and very infuriating. So do you, do you think, like, I mean, on on Carrie Lam, I mean, she's already spoken out in public. So was it so different to speak in public than putting down in the paper? Everybody heard that. And and she actually got no say much in, in the whole decision, isn't it? Well, I think, of course, there is a difference. Of course, to say something in public and then... I mean, to, on to the on it. the other on the other hand, is is basically quite quite tough for her to actually speaking out a different view in public on on rather than putting down in a report. Well, I think a person should not be hypocritical. If it is so difficult, so whatever. <laughs> Don't say it. At Coming all. out from a politician will be really weird. But um, yeah. So so so, what do you think? Uh, what the uh, Democratic Party is going to play in the role in the future? As you can see, what? the civil party has been like they kill me. Everybody is out. So, well, I am, of course, not qualified to speak for my party. I have stepped down from the leadership position. In fact, for you're still very, years. very well respected but, in the party. But I think uh, the uh, members of the pro-democracy camp, and of course my party, they should think about it very deeply. And I'm sure that's what they're doing now. And of course, they will consult with their colleagues in the, in the camp. 
and to decide what to do. And of course, they would also consult the Hong Kong people because, as I said earlier, the people are really at sixes and sevens. They don't know what's going on. Suddenly, all these things, these bombshells just kept exploding one after another. And they have no say. Mm-hmm. They at first thought they would have a vote on the 6th of September, but that's taken away. And then they say certain people cannot serve in the interim council if it's going to be set up. And then they were, they're told that, oh, maybe certain people would be appointed to sit in the interim council. So don't you and think people- during this period of decision, rather than yelling over on different media, maybe it's, 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 it's a good time for you guys to think about a new strategy to try to speak what Carrie Lam didn't say to the Beijing government. I'm sure, as I said, I'm not party to any of their discussion. I've stepped down from the leadership. I'm sure people should think very deeply and think carefully. But Beijing, they should consult. But I mean, in the past few years, they didn't bother with public opinion at all. And that is what's most disturbing. But then they call the shots. We may think of this, think of that, and make suggestions publicly or privately or whatever. But to no avail, because nobody up there would listen to us. Even the pro-communist camp in Lechko, they don't talk to the other members and the liaison office and the LAM administration. They don't talk. They don't engage with the pro-democracy camp. And this is how bad things are now. So do you think the Democratic Party should say, going back to a few years when we have a reform, on, on policies, you guys are willing to walk into the liaison officers and, and maybe talk to them and talk about representing Democratic Party as a whole, uh, Democratic side as a whole to give a proper advice on on your views and stuff. I mean, well, Civil Party is well, already gone, basically. Everybody basically understands that. So. so you guys will be the biggest party that might be like, like DAB on the other side. So bigger say, bigger responsibility. Well, I'm not just talking about the Democratic Party, because we only have seven seats in the Council of 70. No, you have a but lot I of district councillors now. I talk about all the people, the political parties in Lechko and outside. I think most of them are happy to have dialogue, whether it is with the Lam administration or with Beijing, because they have views that they want to uh, present to them. So... I do, there may be people, of course, and you can ask them, who say, no, we will never talk to them. That's fine. But as far as I know, many Hong Kong people would like to see the political parties, these groups, talk to the central government, talk to the Lam administration. But that is not on offer. No, they have not talked to each other for years. Did you understand? It it's not for us to say, hey, we want to talk to you. It's for them to say, okay, now we invite you to come and give us your views. Do you, do you understand that you are you're you're now seen rightly or wrongly as the moderates among the um, the, the pan democratic <laughs> camp? I, I know that may be a strange feeling for you from your, your I, past I think record. Things, things have changed so fast. <laughs> okay, okay, fine, that's fine. I don't mind. Being you you don't mind. Moderate. You don't mind that label necessarily. Okay. I uh, don't mind. There have been many labels put on me. So I think you're the, you're the right candidate to try to, to speak in the middle and try to like <laughs> make things better. <laughs> well, the trouble is, 
I am not representing the people anymore. But you can represent your anyone. I have to have the right credentials. And the right and the right credentials meaning you should be elected by them to speak for them. I have been elected by no one. So if I speak, I speak for myself and maybe speak partly for my party, but not not that much because I'm not in the leadership position. Okay. So I think there are people in leadership positions who are willing to engage, provided that Beijing is willing to listen to dissenting views. Okay, we're discussing uh, the uh, postponement of the Legislative Council elections and what's going to happen to the Legislative Council in the interim. The National People's Congress Standing Committee uh, meeting uh, starts tomorrow. Uh, Hong Kong's not officially on the agenda, but that's been the case in previous meetings and it's been added at the last moment and it's widely expected this will happen again. Uh, you just heard Emily Lau, former Democratic Law- Party lawmaker. And now let's bring in our other guests for the first half, uh, Professor Ho Lok Sang from Lingnan University. Uh, good morning, Professor Ho. So what do, you think, um, what do you think the Standing Committee should do? Should they disqualify these um, uh, pan-Democrats who um, were disqualified from standing again for the elections? They should be disqualified from any temporary legislature that's set up over the next year? Yes, I think uh, um, one thing we need to be quite clear, you know, because uh, Beijing uh, just wants to, to ensure that the one country, two systems will prevail. And the one country, two system is based on the basic law. And all the terms in the basic law have to be respected. And uh, <clears throat> I think uh, uh, Beijing would want to disqualify all those who are against the basic law. And essentially, you see, for example, the basic law clearly stipulates that, uh, that uh, the, the chief executive has to be uh, first nominated by the nominee committee. But there are people who think that this is not right and they, they just want to uh, nominate through uh, so-called uh, civil nomination and that bypasses the nominee committee. These and people there, are were... other people, there are other people who uh, wanted to, to take down the, 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 the uh, mainland, mainland political system. You know, they, they, they think that this is... Uh, not right, and, and so they, they want to take down the, the, the political system and make it into a multi-party uh, uh, competition system, which uh, is not uh, uh, the mainland system. And the mainland system has been serving uh, the, 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 the people well. And so uh, there's the question as to why. Why do you... Um, um, not respect the, the political system that is on the mainland. But and all... why, do not, why, why don't you respect the, the basic law which has been uh, enshrined and accepted, you know, uh, after considerable um, uh, discussions? And uh, I, I had thought that there was consensus, you know, between Beijing and Hong Kong people. And now we, we, are, we, are, we are saying that we, we want to take these things down and, and start all over again. And, of course, uh, Beijing will not tolerate that. You're talking about very broad disqualification criteria here. I, I don't think just four pan-Democrats would be affected by that. You, you, you'd be quite possibly be talking think... about the majority of pan-Democratic no, legislators. No, 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 no. no. Uh, you see, we need to distinguish two things. One is, okay, when you oppose policies that are... Um, uh, um, advocated, you know, by by the so-called pro-establishment camp, 
just policies regarding housing, transportation, and trade, the economic policies, social security, whatever it is. Okay, no problem. You know, you can have uh, dissenting views. It's not not a problem, and and I don't think anyone will be disqualified uh, because they do not agree with policies that are. Uh, 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 proposed by the government and supported by the pro-establishment camp. I don't think so. But if it is uh, um, uh, not these things, but instead uh, you are against the, the system which has been uh, enshrined you know, by the basic law, then it's, some, it's quite different. You know, it's, and, and I don't think anyone who, who really uh, wholeheartedly sticks to the basic law will, will be disqualified. I don't think so. Uh, Emily Lau, would you like to respond? Well, I think that uh, what Professor Ho said is quite different from what was uh, decided at the disqualification. I think they were using the national security law in some cases to disqualify the candidates. And also, people fear that is like criminalizing free speech. I think that there's a difference between free speech and actually taking actions which are outlawed by uh, the national security law and uh, other legislation in Hong Kong. So it is very worrying if they say that, oh, you say something that I don't like, and uh, that is uh, not in uh, line with the Chinese constitution. So or what are the, the things, that, what are the things, things? That, that, that the government, uh, that, that Beijing doesn't like? What Sorry? are the things? For, for example, for example uh, uh, Beijing doesn't want... And uh, it's not allowed, you know, in the, uh, according to the Constitution and according to the uh, basic law, you know, that uh, Hong Kong is an inalienable part of China. You know, and, and if you have people who say, okay, Hong Kong is not part of China. Okay, Hong Kong has to be independent from, from, uh, from China's sovereignty. Okay, that is not to be tolerated. It will but not be tolerated in, in, in the United States. Professor Ho, I think most of the candidates disqualify never said they uh, support independence or breaking Hong Kong away from the People's Republic of China. Or maybe some have said it before, uh, but uh, since the national security law came into force, uh, I think they have said, you know, they no longer support it. And it's said in the law that it's not retrospective. So how come you're penalizing people for something that they said maybe many years ago? And they are, you know, and we're supposed to have freedom of conscience, freedom of speech, freedom of expression. Uh, are, are those things all, all, have all they disappeared? Uh, do the, we still have one country, yeah, the, two systems? The bottom, line, the, bottom line, the bottom line is that uh, 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 whether these people, whether these people are considered to, to, to be really faithful, you know, to in, uh, and truthful, you know, in, in the uh, declared allegiance, you know, to the, uh, to the basic law, support of the basic law. And I think that that is really basic. And, uh, and of course, uh, um, um, there is reading, you know, there's interpretation based on the person's overall behavior. And, and that, that, that is also uh, um, in the law. But, Professor Ho, the basic law refers to two United Nations human rights covenants, the ICCPR. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. yes, I, I commented on that issue before. Yes, yes. Hong Kong supports that. 
That is true, Evelina, isn't it? The, the national security are, is a limitation on rights under the uh, under the two covenants. But isn't as I mean, you mean just free speech, freedom of conscience will endanger national security? Yeah, you, yeah, you can say whatever you like, you know. But uh, as a as a legislator, as a legislator, you need to discharge your duties in accordance to the basic law and in, in accordance to the Chinese constitution. That part which is uh, uh, relevant to, to to Hong Kong. Okay, you, know, you need to discharge your duties uh, honestly, and if you your conscience tells you that uh, this is not something that I will accept, you know, and uh, it has been uh, correctly uh, read, you know, by the uh, uh, by the officer, you know, in charge, and uh, if a person is disqualified based on the basis of the reading that they do not honestly support the basic law, and wants to change it, you know, wants to dump that uh, that 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 particular article, then they are disqualified, you know, for a good reason. Okay, before you respond, Emily Lau, let me bring in a comment from a listener because I, I think it's at least uh, partly directed towards uh, the possible stance of uh, the uh, Democratic Party. Uh, TC says on Facebook, I find the attitude of some members of the current Legislative Council being disqualified uh, for the next Legislative Council to be difficult. To, uh, to, I find it difficult to understand, see their attitude. While I agree with Alvin Young's comments that his current Legislative Council membership doesn't conflict with his candidacy, um, he doesn't sound so eager to take up membership in a body that may be illegitimate. More importantly, I think it's time that the non-establishment earned their proverbial halos and resigned en masse in protest, and therefore forfeit their contract gratuities. I consider any non-establishment member of the Democratic camp who stays for, or any non-establishment member who stays for the extended LegCo to be a traitor to their supporters. TC saying anyone from the Democratic camp who agrees to stay on extended legislative council would be a traitor to their supporters. Emily Lau? Well, I have heard that before. Some, some young people have put that on their Facebook. And there, but there are many opposing views. So this is Hong Kong. We are a free society. What, what's your view, Emily Lau? Well, I think my party, well, because your, I'm your, your own of view. my party. No, on such a complicated, important issue, I should stick to the party line. And as I said many minutes ago, I do not represent my party because I'm not in the leadership. But what I think my party should do is to discuss it very deeply with their own members, with the people in the camp, and listen to the Hong Kong public, knowing full well... There are people like CC, and there are many others who do not want uh, the uh, Democrats to leave. So the society is split. And at the end of the day, they have to take a decision. And I'm not going to take a decision on behalf of my party on back chat this morning. Sorry. You're, you're not willing to express your own view on this? I, I, I don't think I should. If I have resigned from my party... If I'm an independent person, of course I should. But okay. because I'm part of them, and this is a very sensitive, very important subject, and I have not discussed it with them, so I don't think it's fair for me to pontificate what they should do and should not do. 
Uh, let me try and put it a different way. You, you're clearly, by the very fact you're not willing to express your own view, uh, and you've explained why you're not willing to express your own view, uh, you, you recognise that this is a very divisive or a very difficult and potentially divisive issue for the Democratic Party and, of course, for others as well. Of course. That's why I said there are people who would agree with CC and there are people who do not agree with him violently. So it is something we have to consult very carefully, listen carefully before we make a decision on behalf of the party. And also, of course, if the camp can make a decision together, then they need to go through that due process. I really cannot accept that, uh, Emily. You know, because what do you I, mean? I, think, I think every person should be able to speak his mind. You see, well, even though you're a member... Okay, I'm going to. I'm no longer a member of my party. If I am a free agent, of course I can say whatever I like. Okay. But if it is something that affects my party and affects the camp, I don't think I should go out and point yeah, fingers at this yeah. and that. Uh, then can, when can, I have not taken part in the discussion. I really want to make one point. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, the point is that uh, Emily has been using uh, a uh, what I call a misnomer, calling those uh, people who 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 support the basic law, pro-communist. This is not com pro-communist policies. You know, there's the, all the policies that, are, that we, are, we, we are pursuing uh, has nothing to do with communism as such. Okay, let's give Emily you know, Lau... Why, em why pro-communist? Emily Lau, you've got 30 seconds to respond. <laughs> because that's a policy <laughs> of the Communist Party, and you just swallow it, <laughs> line, hook and sinker. That's why we call you pro-communist. I need less than 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, you do need less than 30 seconds. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Professor Ho, I can't allow you again to respond to that because we um, are, are up okay. against the news. But thank you very much. Okay, That's a very interesting you. discussion. Thank, uh, thank you to our guests in the first half of the programme, uh, Emily Lau, former Democratic Party lawmaker, and uh, Professor Ho Lok San. Professor Ho is the Senior Research Fellow at the Pan Sutong Shanghai uh, Hong Kong Economic Policy Research Institute at Lingnan University. Uh, stay with us. We're going to continue the discussion with uh, fresh guests after the news. And, of course, if you have any thoughts on this or other topics, do email us at backchatterrthk.hk. That's backchatterrthk.hk. Or you can go to our Facebook page and leave a comment there. The weather forecast. It will be mainly fine apart from isolated showers. Very hot during the day with a maximum temperature of around 33 degrees. Currently 29 degrees. Relative humidity, 84%. We'll be back in three minutes. Terrorism that has at times been captured by a system that is itself captured by organized corruption. Dozens are still missing, while thousands have been working to clear the streets of debris. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back to Mac Chat. I'm Danny Gittings. Your co-host this morning is Nixie Lamb. In the second half of the show, we continue discussion about uh, the uh, postponed legislative council elections. Uh, the National People's Congress Standing Committee meeting uh, start the meeting starting tomorrow and is expected to discuss the issues arising from this and particularly the membership of uh, the, whatever legislature is going to serve until um, the elections uh, are held next year. If you've got any thoughts on this or other topics, do email us at backchat at rthk. That's backchat at rthk. 
RTHK or go to our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free, and leave a comment there. Before I bring in our guests uh, for the second half of the show, uh, let, let's bring in a selection of comments um, coming in from listeners uh, on uh, the topic of today's show and other topics. Uh, Magnus uh, writing on um, COVID-19 and following on from yesterday's discussion. Yesterday we were discussing how you can exercise and the closure of gyms during the current outbreak. Uh, Magnus saying COVID-19 is clearly primarily an indoors, poorly ventilated area threat. Closed, crowded places and in settings where much air is exhaled, uh, such as people conversing directly, singing and shouting. The risk in an outdoors environment is in many orders of magnitude lower. The risk is in no way similar and should not be discussed as such. As well as being common sense, many studies have shown that this is the case. And it cites a Chinese study showing only one case of transmission taking place outdoors um, uh, out of seven, more than 7,000 cases. And another U.S. case, uh, um, again, only one case had taken outdoors. So he's saying that the risk of, of transmission outdoors is thousands of times lower. Or put it another way, the risk indoors is thousands of times higher. Let's call a spade a spade. Take precautions everywhere, of course, but do not try to pretend that the risks are in any way similar across very different settings. Protocols, restrictions ought to reflect the reality. Of the 3,500 cases we've had in Hong Kong, have any transmissions been shown to have taken place outdoors? If so, how many and exactly how where? Thank you very much, Magnus, who also sent another long, very, uh, too long to read, another very long email uh, talking about uh, the contrast between how Hong Kong and Singapore have handled coronavirus and not, not entirely complementary to Hong Kong by comparison with Singapore. Uh, Mike, in an email, says, uh, Internet news reports that American has a warrant out for his arrest with regard to the new national security law. No local English news. I think that, Mike, that has been covered uh, by RTHK because it originally the story actually broke, I think, probably close to a, a week ago. Um, if arrested, they would have to be repatriated to China. I don't think that courts in Hong Kong would allow them to be charged for a crime which they presumably committed before the um, law was enacted. Retrospective action on a Hong Kong person. Welcome to the new Hong Kong. I wish someone with knowledge of this case would comment before I run off to the airport and buy a one-way ticket. Uh, a couple of emails uh, directed at our guest, Professor Holok San, who is no, who's no longer here. Professor Ho had to go at nine o'clock, um, and so unfortunately won't be able to respond to them directly. Uh, Professor Ho says, oh, sorry, uh, uh, Alan says, Professor Ho stated that anyone who does not respect the basic law should not be allowed in the Leadership Council. So what's the point of a legislative council if it cannot discuss law? Many would say that the government has broken the letter and spirit of the basic law. It refers to Article 22, which uh, limits uh, in interference uh, by mainland um, organisations in Hong Kong affairs. Uh, so from his view, anyone who says that, who has a different view that whatever, from whatever the government says on that day, is not respecting the basic law and should be ejected from LegCo and likely face prosecution for subversion under national security law. We know this is how the government works in the mainland, and this is how they want to do it in Hong Kong. He now says anyone should be allowed to speak their mind. What a hypocrite. That's 100% true since July the 1st. Uh, another, uh, well, actually, a uh, criticism of both of our uh, previous guests uh, from Adam on uh, Facebook, uh, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free. Adam says, Professor Ho clearly has no idea how democracy works. He also spouts the basic law. The ultimate aim of Article 45 is the selection of the chief executive by universal suffrage. 
This is what pro-democracy groups are striving. Uh, Adam also uh, talking about Emily Lau. Um, Emily Lau was asked um, uh, asked by me on the first half of the show um, whether she or not she thinks that uh, members of the Democratic Party should serve on any kind of interim legislature and said she refused to give her opinion on that. Um, Adam says, Miss Lau's unwillingness to share her thoughts on certain issues is what I see as the problem with your recent pro-democracy guests. They hide behind a statement of their party not having consensus on an issue. It would help these parties if they actually had a clear stance on such issues. What do these parties do in their meetings? Uh, thank you very much, Adam. And uh, let's just see uh, one more. Uh, ah, now this is a question uh, uh, on air comment, a uh, question for both Professor Ho, who is gone, but also for my co-host, uh, Nixie Lamb, <laughs> who is still here. So I have to face it. Um, Nixie, and then we'll go to our guest, uh, uh, Matthew, saying, Yesterday, Joshua Wong pointed out the irony that many of the returning officers who disqualified him and others for being insufficiently patriotic may themselves hold passports from other countries, while he and those who are disqualified do not. Meanwhile, Hong Kong's number one patriot, former DAB chairman Tam Yu Chung, and even our chief executive, send their fr- families to live in Western democracies. I wonder what Nixie Lam and Professor Holok San think about this. Is it hypocritical for pro-Beijing supporters who are criticising pro-democracy people for being insufficiently patriotic to hold foreign passports? Is Professor Ho or Nixie Lam willing to tell us if they or their immediate family members hold passports from other countries? Well, Holok San is gone. But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I didn't even apply for the BNO. I oh. have a choice, but uh, I didn't apply for that. Okay, so that's a very clear answer yes. from your own personal <laughs> circumstances. How about the broader point that uh, yeah, has been I, made I don't about, think, uh, about yeah, hypo- yeah, 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 hypocrisy? About like, having, a, ha- having passports. Or generally in the, in the... Yeah, I think it's... It, it, I mean, generally in the world, it, it, was, it was pretty okay for you to hold, hold another passport and, and go, go to study and look for um, border views on, on things. I don't think there's a problem for holding another passport. But the problem is... If you're, you're you're saying like you love this country, but and then continuously using violence to destroy or trying to do whatever you want to sanction this country and and, and break things and break the laws and stuff, that is not acceptable. I mean, it's 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 basically in the behavior. I mean, having a passport is a very shallow indicator on on showing whether like it shouldn't even be in in this discussion. Do you ever ask any of the uh, um, U.S. governors or, or whatever, do they have families they study abroad coming from? Where, where they're born? Are, you, are, are we going down to the Trump ways and criticizing whether Obama born in, uh, born in U.S. or not? Like that, that kind of way? I don't think Hong Kong should go, go down to that part. But I think Matthew's point is saying yeah. people who say they love their country mm-hmm. but, uh, and criticize um, people in the opposition camp for colluding with uh, foreign countries and then sometimes it's, maybe they hold a passport from that country themselves. See, in, in Hong Kong, it's just just like a like a traditional not traditional but like 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 um, historical ways on how how we think we always have this like of second passport sort of like they they have a Canadian passport Australian passport whatever and they think that it's like protection at that time but and then time proves that it was better to stay in Hong Kong and they came back and a lot of them same as my a lot of my friends their family member moved back totally. And surrender. Even my volunteers in my own constituency, they actually uh, like um, surrender their passport in the U.S. and stuff. And they think it's, it's better to settle down in China. And and on top of that, being a Chinese, 
you you still think your Chinese like it's especially when you're in overseas that you know clearly this is your own motherland or whatever. Just like it is a very Chinese thing that we we have that that sort of connections and stuff. So it's, it's not really about a passport or not or where do you live or not. So. Just, it's, just, it's just the Chinese identity. Okay, thank you. This was in response to an um, email from uh, listener Matthew. And if um, any other listeners have any comments on this or other themes, um, do uh, still uh, uh, 20 minutes left, uh, do email backchat at rthk.hk and we'll try and get to that before the end of the show. And uh, let's now um, bring in uh, our guest for the second half of the show. We have with us uh, Andrew Leung. Andrew Leung is an international and independent China strategist and former Director General of Social Welfare. And Edward Chin, head Hedge fund manager and convener and 2047 Hong Kong Monitor. Uh, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Uh, Edward Chin, maybe I'll go to you first as someone uh, loosely affiliated with the um, uh, pro-democracy camp. Um, I don't know if you were listening just before the news. We had a uh, quite strongly worded comment from a listener saying that anyone in the pro-democracy camp who joins any sort of provisional interim legislator would be a traitor to the pro-democracy camp. Where, where do you stand on that? Well, I... <laughs> a long hesitation. I mean, I should say Emily Lau refused to answer the question. Um, and I'm, I hope you're not going to refuse to answer as well. I mean, that will set a pattern. No, I, I, I think right now it's um, still too premature to make any conclusive statement. And in fact, you know, I, I think what, what is wrong absolutely is last Friday at around 6 p.m. when Karen Lam announced that uh, we are postponing this this whole magical election for a year in the name of, you know, like uh, the COVID-19 situation. It, it, it's wrong. Of course, you know, like if you look at the primary, the pandemic, they have a great, that over 600,000 people came out and vote. I mean, this is something that I think the Beijing government they are scared of. And to be honest, if they just allow a handful of people to join the race in the so-called interim legislative, that would be, that would be, that doesn't make the Hong Kong government or Beijing government to look, look good. So it is really the pandemic. You know, in aggregate, they have to think about a strategy, whether they would have the courage to resign and not join the game at all. But but then again, you know, like uh, this proves to be quite risky. I mean, we are talking about this is quite different even from the Tong Chi Wai era, when things were more orderly, when people do respect one another, when people can agree to disagree, right? Right now, it looks everything is just draconian. And then Carrie Lam doesn't seem to have a sound mind in administrating Hong Kong anymore. And it's just a puppet. Everyone can see it. So, you know, it, it is a risky game. If, if all the pandemic, you know, like let's assume they only let 10 pandemic people, including the functional constituency, to participate. And, of, of course, blame. we should blame this uh, Tom Yuchong guy, you know, who was a former leader of the CAB. I mean, like, look at them. You know, they, they already in the 70s. They should be retiring. All these guys who are making comments, they are like old batteries in the 70s or 80s. 
they should be enjoying life with their grandchildren. They have the same they saying for same saying for ancient China, isn't it? Like a lot of the iconic <laughs> the people Ma- Martin, on different Martin camp, Lee yeah, Martin well. Lee and I mean, things like that. I think we have to be fair on their comments. I mean, they have their experience, and they have, uh, especially for Tom Yuchong, he has a very important role in the Chinese government right now. Um, and he actually can give some insights for Hong Kong and, and things like that. Edward Chin? Well, you, you say he, he has insight, but it seems like he is the only one who is, you know, like having so-called... He is like the connected with the NPCFC, and then Hong Kong people are left in the dark. That's something... I don't understand why, because when Deng Xiaoping promised that one country, two systems, we thought it was intact. And when a lot of people relocate to, to Hong Kong, we and thought that back. This, this thing could continue for 50 years. Now, absolutely, we are talking about one country, one system. And with the NSL that was just enacted one month ago, you see how they treat the protesters. I don't think we will have even have the proper demonstration from now on. Talk about June 4th vigil. You know, 24 activists, they were charged with what? Illegal assembly? It's ridiculous. So what does Beijing want to do? They want to destroy Hong Kong? I mean, an international city that one we are proud of? I mean, activists will be leaving and then people are leaving. And then if, if this so-called like a so for the interim makes sense, I mean, so be it. But are, you, are you planning to leave, Edward Chin? You talk about people. No, I'm leaving. not. Well, they are, and you talk about people leaving, but you're not leaving, right? I'm not leaving. I mean, why should I be the one who is leaving when, when we believe in you know, like the former paramount leader Deng Xiaoping promises? So do you, do you, would you choose to come, like, stay in Hong Kong and fight, and or stay in Hong Kong and discuss and try to find a way out? Well, honestly, if if the so-called pro Beijing lawyers. They think of ways try to kill all the seeds of the pandemic. I mean, this is, this is not Hong Kong. I mean, you should have different opinions and let Hong Kong be, be sound. And as I alluded to earlier, agree to disagree. We don't have that now. Okay, let's bring in, we also have with us uh, Andrew Leung. Andrew Leung, uh, former director or general of social welfare and now international and independent China strategist. Uh, good morning, Mr. Leung. W- morning, welcome yeah. back to the show. Uh, this is rapidly shaping up, in your, as, a, as a strategist, this is shaping up into a very difficult decision for the pro-democracy camp, isn't it? What to do in any kind of interim legislature. Well, it's also a very difficult decision for Beijing as well, because uh, after 23 years, Hong Kong has been enjoying an extremely high level of autonomy. But then now Beijing feels it's being pushed into the corner. Um, and, and recently, there was a 10-point plan uh, to topple the, the Hong Kong uh, government, as well as threaten um, the stability uh, of the Chinese regime. So I think that this uh, must be seen in this context. But I'd like to address the question about the coming LegCo, though. Mm. Um, there is a number of um, issues involved there. Now, let's not forget that the pandemic uh, has made a, a havoc, complete havoc of elections around the world. Um, according to the, the survey, there are 69 uh, countries or territories around the world which have postponed their elections, uh, including uh, those in uh, Europe as well as in uh, Australia. But there are plen- um, plenty of others that have held them, and some very close to home, South Korea, Singapore. I mean, so Singapore yeah, went yeah, ahead yeah, with I much worse than Hong Kong. Equally, 
Um, I mentioned 69 countries, okay? There are 50 countries, five zero countries, which have maintained uh, their original schedule. So I think that's first the, the context. Secondly, um, uh, the uh, postponement is not just for health reasons, because uh, for the election you've got to maintain, you've got to make sure that this le le integrity and legitimacy uh, is not compromised, because there are... Um, um, uh, there was an impact on um, the, the turnout of, of electors uh, because of the pandemic. Uh, there are um, um, electors, who, uh, voters who are overseas and cannot come back. Um, and then, of course, there is an impact on political rallies. Um, and, of course, the people who are particularly vulnerable uh, would be deterred from uh, voting. So all this would tend to compromise uh, the legitimacy and the integrity of the elections. I think that's a very, very important point. Um, and I think that that point is taken by um, countries, um, the 69 countries, which have postponed their elections in one way or another. Now, the third point I would like to, um, uh, to address, the, another aspect I'd like to address, is um, what, what's going to be the coming um, interim LegCo? You know, uh, what would be its impact uh, on people who are uh, who have been disqualified, uh, and then um, those people, who, uh, uh, pandem uh, pandemocrat um, legislators, um, who, who are uh, being criticised by Beijing, that they have not been qualified, what's going to happen to them? Um, I, of course, I'm guessing this is all, all up to the National People's um, um, Congress Standing Committee. But as far as this coming um, um, interim ledge code is con concerned, uh, the, uh, the fact stands um, is very clear that I don't think that Beijing will alter the basic law, Article 69 of the basic law, which, stands, which says that the term of the LegCo is four years. So the coming LegCo will come to an end. It will be terminated. Um, so what's coming up is a caretaker LegCo for one year. Now, you can't have an election for the caretaker LegCo because there's not enough time for that. So the, the, LegCo, the new members of this caretaker LegCo are likely to be appointed. Um, and, and of course, if the, for those who have been disqualified who take part in the new LegCo election, I don't see how they could be um, appointed um, because they, 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 they have been declared uh, unqualified. As so for those who um, are in the LegCo uh, who have not been disqualified, um, and in fact, everybody uh, in the in the current LegCo, um, if they want to take part in the new caretaker legislation, uh, they have got to uh, com uh, comply with Article 104 of the Basic Law, which requires um, a, a, a pledge of allegiance to the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region of the People's Republic of China. Now, there is no full stop between Hong Kong SAR and the PRC, because the Hong Kong SAR um, is part of the PRC. Um, and of course, the, 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 swear, uh, the Pledge of Allegiance uh, um, uh, means, doesn't mean complete obedience or total disobedience, but at least uh, legislators um, are not there to topple um, the local government or threaten uh, the, the Chinese government. So I think uh, along these lines, I'm, I'm only proceeding logically. That's how I see what's going to happen uh, in a new caretaker uh, legislative council, as well as impact uh, on 
legislators who have been disqualified and those who are rem- remaining uh, in the legislative, current legislative council. So a minimum of four, because four were disqualified, a minimum of four not allowed to stay, but you're saying, of course, uh, as they all have to take this oath, there, there might be others as well, because uh, the returning officer never managed to consider the nominations of many of the existing legislators. There might be others who are not allowed to serve on an interim legislature as well. We just have to see. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, but the fact remains that they've got to, um, sw- uh, to swear allegiance according to Article 104. Okay, uh, let's put that back to Edward Chin. So we're looking like a substantial number. Of, uh, well, Andrew Lung's, uh, if the, on Andrew Lung's reading, a substantial number of uh, existing uh, legislators would be barred from continuing in office in uh, this uh, temporary. Uh, well, it would be a, technically a new body, Edward Chin. Yeah, I mean they haven't count the Democratic Party yet because Carrie Lam last Friday already announced they're killing the election and postponing it for one year. This is really, really evil. I mean, like, I, I don't want to... Why, why is it evil on... when there's, like, other countries are doing the same? It's like every country or every city has got a different situation, and we do see numbers of hiking last week and very intense. Like, we have, like, 100 and 150. So why is it has to be political? I mean, we all know the real reason behind why they why is it... <laughs> postponed it. I mean, I mean, like anyone with a sound mind know that Beijing doesn't want the pandemics to win, to have a windfall win in this democratic, so this so-called legislative council election, just just like the district council from. See, the mentality is very. Well, one thing that I don't really understand is like, um, I, I heard you saying like Beijing is scared of this and that. Maybe that is why we come to this point in Hong Kong where discussion is impossible, pinpointing or finger-pointing different side is the essential ways of doing things. And maybe that is why we have come in conclusion to, to this point. And are we going to continue to go on this path? And would that be possibly leading us to a better future or well, worse? This is, this is not even election we are talking about here we are talking here. about the whole strategy on on the democratic side or on keep on calling people provaging neglecting them going to the u.s and asking people to sanction hong kong and we never call you guys like what okay. you and stuff like and and you you didn't even dare to come up to say whether whether it's, it's okay or or whether it will be better to resign from the interim like legislative council okay. or things like that. Let's give it I think there is a choice for, for the pandemic to, to do it, to resign altogether. But at the same time, locking people, trying to prosecute people, you know, they, this is just uncivilized. Okay, um, let's uh, actually, uh, thank you very much. Uh, that's, uh, that's Edward Chin, hedge fund manager and convener at 2047 Hong Kong Monitor. Uh, let's just draw the, the, the discussion uh, to a close there because uh, we've got several emails coming in on the passports issue and several directed to my uh, co-host Nixie Lam. So we should give our <laughs> listeners a chance before the end of the show to uh, uh, put them to Nixie Lam. Uh, thank you very much to our guest in the second half of the show, Edward Chin, hedge fund manager and convener at 2047 Hong Kong Monitor. And also thank you very much uh, to Andrew Leung, international 
national and independent China strategist and former director general of social welfare. Now let's get to these uh, comments uh, from uh, listeners on, on the passport issue. Um, uh, some quite strong language here. Uh, TC <laughs> says, uh, read Nixie Lamb's comments on foreign passports. Asking whether an office holder has foreign passports and that of their immediate family is a very legitimate question. First, the national security concern. It's public information that Kerry Lam's husband is a British citizen. How can we be sure that the chair of Hong Kong's National Security Council isn't passing on information to a foreign citizen? Second, I find the behaviour of Tam Yu Chung and Education Secretary Kevin Yeo to be akin to drug dealing. They'll never let their children touch it, because he means the children are not in the local <laughs> system, but they want everyone else's children to buy into it. Uh, a couple of emails also coming in. Uh, Matthew, who started this, says, um, uh, Nixie, I believe Chairman Xi himself now insists that senior mainland officials and their families give up their foreign passports. That's why we have do one you, country and two systems. <laughs> Wait, let me finish. <laughs> do you think he is wrong or do you agree? Do you think Xi Jinping is wrong or do you think do you agree and think the same approach should be applied to senior Hong Kong officials like our chief executive and Tam Yu-chung? And one more before I'll, you can briefly respond, Nixie. Uh, actually, the other emails dis- disappeared. So uh, please, uh, <laughs> oh, disappeared. Please, please, please do respond on that. I think like we, we need to understand we, we, we cannot always pull over the China law and and come back to Hong Kong and try to argue with that as, as a strong proof. I mean, we have one country and two systems for a reason. And and in Hong Kong, we accept like people like having multiple passports and like a, a lot of other countries, we don't allow so. So in Hong Kong, I don't see a problem with that, uh, restricting their family members. And I mean, this is just just a uh, it's just not not very a political question. Is okay, it? one more on this. <laughs> uh, Nixie Lam's response to the overseas passport issue among her pro Beijing faction is a vain attempt to justify rank hypocrisy. <laughs> Such people are happy to have the subjugation of ordinary Hong Kong people under communism, but at the same time enjoy escape routes for their kids. I'm afraid I can't get, let you respond again on that. Uh, let's bring in our last comment from a listener for today from uh, Bowen. Uh, Bowen says uh, the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights and the International Covenant on Economic, Social, Cultural Rights may be subject to national security, as referred to in the first half of the show. But the national security of the mainland authorities is different from the notion of national security under its international covenants, as envisaged and used to limit rights in most other countries. The charge of colluding with foreign forces has been, repeat- has been reportedly used against one Samuel Chu, it was mentioned in an in a e- early email from an, another listener earlier. Uh, someone, Samuel Chu, who, although born in Hong Kong, has been residing in the US as an American citizen since 1996, according to the press. A National People's Congress Standing Committee interpretation of China's nationality law says that those born in Hong Kong before 1997, but who've settled in overseas countries, would lose their Chinese nationality. Presumably, if people have lost their Chinese nationality, they cannot be charged with colluding with foreign forces. Uh, Neville Cerrone, Queen's Counsel, has put it best in a recent article. He says, forget about what the favour-seeking uh, lawyers tell you about the National Security Act. Any yeoman criminal practitioner will tell you, contesting a law that changes shape according to the fickle whim of a capricious political party is an impossibility. Thank you very much, Bowen, and thank you to all our listeners for our comments there. Please do keep them coming. Uh, Nixie, thank you very much.
much. Uh, the weather forecast. It will be mainly uh, fine apart from isolated showers. Very hot during the day with a maximum temperature of about 33 degrees. Currently 29 degrees. Relative humidity 82%. Uh, we'll be back on uh, Monday when Hugh will be back. Hi, I'm Lazy Lion. To fight this pandemic, don't hold gatherings or join large-scale activities. Event organizers should adopt contingency measures to postpone or cancel events or temporarily close facilities. The public should avoid crowded places as far as possible. Don't host or join gatherings with family and friends. Find an open space to stretch. Social distancing can help prevent the spread of COVID-19. These are the tips for you and me to prevent COVID-19. The news at 9.31. The Asian Migrants Coordinating Body says that mass testing of foreign helpers is likely to increase discrimination against them. The group's Iman Villanueva sounded the warning as the government announced it would provide free coronavirus tests for thousands of domestic helpers who are between contracts and living in dormitories. The Immigration Department is also to speed up the vetting of applications to change employers to shorten the stay of helpers in often cramped hostels. This comes after a second domestic helper who stayed in such a dormitory was confirmed yesterday as having COVID-19. The French President Emmanuel Macron has promised a coordinated international effort to help the Lebanese people, while urging a new political order in the wake of the explosion that devastated Beirut on Tuesday. On a visit to the city, Mr. Macron said an international conference would be organized to mobilize aid funds. He said he had heard anger, the anger on the streets where crowds had welcomed him, but people must now focus on what unites the country. And New York State's Attorney General has sued to dissolve the powerful National Rifle Association after an 18-month investigation that found evidence the gun rights group was fraught with fraud and abuse. The NRA said the lawsuit was a baseless attack on the organization. I'll have more news at 10. Welcome to a brand new morning, and now the back chat's through. Hold tight to the side of your seat, it's the morning brew. It's Phil Whelan and his dealing, an interview or two. Live now on Radio Free, it's the morning brew. He'll entertain you lots, well fingers crossed, until his voice is shot. A dedicated individual Sit back, enjoy the chat Plus a tune or two Hold tight to the side of your seats It's the morning brew Good morning to you and welcome to Friday It's the morning brew with me, Phil Whelan Let's see what's going down We're off to San Francisco at ten past ten To catch up with Chef Matt Dolan At his restaurant, 25 Lusk going to see what's been going down plus have a couple of simple food ideas for you for the weekend i think tuna tartare is what he's doing right now so we'll just grab something from the kitchen put it on a table and see how it's done danny hicks is going to be with us for this week's sports and all at 11:10. he's going to be talking golf and of course footy and after 12 it's movie time with critic james marsh join us on facebook live on and off throughout I'm used to 
us But not for long, the future is coming on I ain't happy, I'm feeling glad I got sunshine In a bag, I'm useless But not for long, the future is coming on It's coming on, it's coming on, it's coming on It's coming on, it's coming on, it's coming on